You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I want to tell you about an exciting event that is coming up on Friday, October 26. My old friend, Glenn Washington, who hosts Snap Judgment here on NPR, he's going to be live at the Royal Oak Music Theater. You can buy tickets at AXS.com. But Glenn is also going to join me live in the studio that morning on October 26th for a special hour-long conversation. We are going to talk about our history together. Uh, We were college students together and uh, uh, co-employees at the college newspaper at the University of Michigan. We'll talk about uh, his storytelling and the show that he hosts here on NPR. We'll talk about all kinds of things that are in the news. And it is a benefit for WDET. You're going to join us for a quick breakfast and you'll sit in on the studio during the live broadcast. That's right. You can be right here with me and Glenn Washington as we talk about all of those things. In order to be part of that, though, you've got to make a one-time gift of $600 to WDET. You can do that at WDET.org slash give today. So again, October 26th, exciting event uh, involving my friend Glenn Washington. All right. The the Reason Foundation and Michigan State University will also be sponsoring a pretty exciting event this this weekend. It's a conference that starts tomorrow in East Lansing, and it is called a 21st Century Immigration Policy for the West. It will present a number of different perspectives about the current arguments going on about who comes to this country, how, and what our government should or should not be doing about it. The conference organizer is an old friend of our show. Sheikha Dalmia is a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation. She joins us now to talk about the conference, about immigration, and where this nation's struggle with what it means to be an American is headed. Sheikha, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. One quick correction, which sure. is the conference actually kicks off tonight. Oh, it does. At the Kellogg Center in East Lansing. And we have Douglas Massey of Princeton, who is going to talk about how we got into our current immigration okay. mess. We do not want people to miss that. No. So let's, <laughs> let's be clear about that. It is tonight, not tomorrow. Five o'clock. Yes. Kellogg uh, Editorial. Uh, so so I've, I've watched uh, on social media over the last several months as you have been planning this uh, and talking about the importance of trying to get people together to think about different ways, I guess, to, to, to think about and handle the immigration crisis. And I think I'm uh, well within uh, reason to be using that word uh, right now. But, but tell us about what you hope to accomplish at this conference over the weekend. So uh, the premise of this conference is that, uh, you know, the future immigration problem of the West is not going to be too much immigration, but too little immigration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, there are certain demographic realities all across the world that are going to trend us in this direction. Um, On the one hand, uh, you have uh, in our typical donor countries, you know, like India and China, uh, they they are now beginning to um, uh, become less populated rather than more populated because they have completed what demographers call the demographic transition. That means that now their infant mortality rates have gone down. And along with that, their birth rates have dropped too. There is a period when countries modernize when that's not the case. The mm-hmm. birth rates are low, but the uh, uh, but the, the mortality rates are low. 
but the birth rates are high. And so there is a surplus population when they, these mass migration flows sort of happen. Uh, that has all come to an end now. At the same time, in Western countries like the United States, um, there is these populations are aging, and we are right now at below replacement level. Our uh, current um, birth rate is 1.7 per couple. Uh, replacement level is 2.1. We are now at you know close to European levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that we are go- so given that's the case, we are going to have a massive shortage of workers going forward. And so the point is that you know we have had the luxury of talking about immigrants as a problem rather than actually a solution to our problems because we've had a lot of them wanting to get into the country. We will need to shift that mentality and that paradigm going forward and start thinking about immigration immigrants as an asset that they are. Mm-hmm. Rather than a liability. Yeah. So, so uh, what you just said uh, makes a lot of sense, uh, but it flies in the face, I think, of the policies at the core of the Trump administration's approach to this to this right. issue. Uh, the president campaigned saying that what he was concerned about was illegal immigration, people primarily coming over the border um, uh, with Mexico. Uh, some He had some concerns about people coming uh, over from, from Europe and, and the Middle East. Uh, but it's been made clear, I think, since he's been president, that his real objection is to immigration itself, that the idea of people coming to this country and changing the demographic makeup of it, changing the cultural dynamics in the country, that's what they really are against. And I think that's a a far more dangerous uh, policy imperative to embrace, first of all. But but I also think that makes it more difficult uh, to convince a lot of Americans of what you just said, the fact that we need immigrants in order for this country to remain strong. The whole idea of make America great again really depends on admitting people who can come to this country and contribute to that goal. Right. And uh, just to uh, add to what you just said, Stephen, which is that this administration animus is not just against illegal immigrants, who are, by the way, only uh, 11 million at this stage of the 44 million immigrants in this country. Um, It's uh, the Trump administration's animus is against legal immigration as well. That came out loud and clear during the DACA negotiations, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, the reason that the uh, legalization or amnesty for DACA, for DREAMers, fell through was that the Trump administration wanted not just a wall on the southern border, but it wanted to cut legal immigration by about 40%. This has been the game plan of restrictionists like Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, you know, for a while now, and Stephen Miller, frankly, mm-hmm. in the White House. And that's what actually torpedoed that part of it. And, you know, usually politics is a lagging indicator of where things are going. But what the Trump administration has done is it has made it tri- uh, uh, directionally, uh, directionally wrong. Now we are going in the opposite direction of what we need to in order to solve this, you know, or address this impending demographic tsunami. I mean, that's like it's beyond a crisis that we are going to face. We actually, you know, the this conference was preceded by seven lectures mm-hmm. over the course of the uh, of the academic year. One of the lectures was by George Mason University's uh, Jack Goldstone. 
he's a demographer and he's also looks at the, you know fiscal trends and economic trends and some of the numbers he presented were absolutely like you know like really sobering he pointed out that because hispanic birth rates in this country have fallen so tremendously that the census bureau has actually revised its 2050 projection of the number of people in the united states and now they are projecting that there'll be 50 million fewer uh, um, americans in this country mm-hmm. in 2050 um most of them are going to be in the younger cohorts so his projection or the census's pro- projection is between 2015 and 2050 uh, we are going to get only 2 million more people in the 15 to 25 demographic uh, demographic uh, segment uh, whereas our elderly are going to grow by 30 million hmm. uh i mean this is The, the, you know this is like a massive massive mismatch it'll put strain on our fiscal system it'll put a strain on our particularly in our economy because the other part that uh, you know jack colston mentioned was that you know you can only squeeze so much productivity out of current workers right uh, and productivity increases have been actually plateauing productivity per worker has only been growing at 1% per year even if you he said double the productivity of the current workforce uh it'll still add up to only 2% of growth so if donald trump really wants to put america on the path of 4% growth it, the labor market tightening is going to be like a huge huge problem yeah yeah uh, this is detroit today on 1019 <clears throat> wdet i'm steven henderson and my guest is shika damia senior analyst at the reason foundation and the organizer of a conference titled a 21st century immigration policy for the west it is sponsored by the reason foundation and the michigan state university political science department it kicks off tonight and runs through the weekend in east lansing uh we're talking about immigration and how immigration policy now in this country will affect the future in this country uh how the restrictive immigration policies that are embraced by the trump administration may uh, hurt our economy in the future given the need for uh, for immigrants to help uh, secure that economic future in America. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think uh, about uh, immigration in this country, what you think policies ought to look like for immigration uh, in the United States. Tell us what you think our future will look like if we continue down the road of restricting immigration into the United States. Uh, you can also go to the WDET <coughs> Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Shika, let's talk about some of the people who are going to speak at, uh, at this conference this weekend. So uh, one of the aims of the conference was that you know if we are going to change how we talk about immigrants in the future we do have to take into account the legitimate worries that people have about mm-hmm. immigration i mean how are we going to assimilate uh you know the numbers that of future immigrants that we need 
what is the fiscal impact going to be? Uh, you know, wh what about the constitutional question? We, if we want to move towards a world where we have relatively unfettered mobility, does our constitution even allow for that? How are the various, you know, countries who are uh, who are in a similar predicament, you know, Europe and Japan, what kind of trade-offs and what kind of immigration bets are they making? So we have speakers from across the political spectrum addressing all these questions. Uh, we have uh, people who are, uh, you know, far uh, to the right of Reason Foundation, like the National Review, which is a conservative outfit, but mm -hmm. has always been, you know, since the days of Bill Buckley and even before that, been in favor of sharply restricting immigration. We have people flying in from London at The Economist who are going to speak. And we have people from the Cato Institute that have been, you know, who are much more in the open, open up the borders direction mm -hmm. uh, speaking. We have academics from, you know, top universities coming who have, you know, long track record of addressing this issue. We have people from the Brookings Institution mm -hmm. coming. Uh, I think one of the most important panels is going to be the assimilation panel because that's, you know, a question that's on a lot of people's mind. How of the immigrants who've already been here how well have they assimilated? Where are the trouble spots? You know, which cohorts have done a better job of assimilating and which have done the worst? And we have uh, Peter Scarry, who's a professor at uh, Boston University, and uh, Philip Kaczynski, uh, you know, who will be addressing that. The other thing about this, which is what makes this conference unique, is that each of the panels is actually set up like a debate with mm -hmm. people taking opposite ends of the motion. And then we have discussions for each of the main panelists who will challenge them, who are charged with challenging these panelists. So this is not going to be like your usual conference where you go and, you know, <laughs> like you have four panelists and they are all sort of agreeing with each other. Sure. The point was to get the sharpest disagreement possible uh, and, uh, you know, air, air the issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sheikha Dalmia about immigration. We'll also talk uh, about her reaction to the big news around Brett Kavanaugh, the future of reproductive rights and Roe v. Wade. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Carl in Detroit, John in Sterling Heights. We will get to you next. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, Thanks for tuning in. My guest is Sheikha Dalmia, a senior analyst at uh, the Reason Foundation and an organizer of a conference titled A 21st Century Immigration Policy for the West. It is sponsored by the Reason Foundation and the Michigan State University Political Science Department. It kicks off tonight uh, in East Lansing and uh, runs through the weekend. We are talking about uh, immigration and immigration policy in this country, how it will affect our future, uh, both economically and culturally. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag us, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with uh, Carl in Detroit. Carl, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Hi, Stephen. Hey. Uh, you're a serious guy. I like that. <laughs> I try to be, right? <laughs> so my, my question is not about um, immigration uh, per se, and I'm certainly not anti-immigrant because I think America has benefited greatly from migration here of the best and the brightest from everywhere. Um, <clears throat> but just to pose your conversation with the just-released report from the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and uh, part of what that report did not address the fact that the primary driver of climate change is overpopulation, and and also consider that we've been we've been hearing dire warnings uh, forever about well for ten twenty years now mm-hmm. about displacement of workers too many workers because they'll be displaced by AI and robotics. So what I'd like you to do is factor that into the discussion. Hmm. Into the discussion about immigration. Um, That's correct. Yeah. And so and so I think the, the, the issue is uh, if, we're gonna, if we can maintain and even increase production with fewer people because of robotics and AI, again, I'm not against immigration. The question is how do you, how do you integrate all this into a coherent package for the whole planet? Yeah. Great question, Carl. Uh, I really appreciate you calling and asking that. Chica Delmia, how should we account for things like that? Why do we need so many immigrants, I think, is is sort of at the core of the question, if we will be able to increase productivity with robots. So, a uh, very good question. And we have actually a panel exactly on that question, whether robots can replace immigrants. Uh, and we have two people addressing it, taking you know, uh, completely opposite views. We have Robin Hansen from George Mason University, who will talk about uh, how the you know, the current projections about the increase of automation in the past have always been wrong mm-hmm. and they never pan out. So, you know, sort of, and he, he's, by the way, you know, he is uh, a complete sort of believer in technology. I mean, he <laughs> is the kind of guy who has frozen his brain uh, he, or he wants to freeze his brain because he thinks that someday automation will allow him to, <laughs> his brain to, to be, yeah, his brain to be, I mean, so he is kind of like, he's not averse to, you know, <laughs> considering all kinds of very technologically advanced right. scenarios. But, you know, he is just taking a sober look at past automation trends and predicting that, you know, this idea that robots will replace immigrants is uh, overblown. And we have somebody, uh, Alex Elkaver, who is going to take the opposite, uh, you know, the opposite view that mm-hmm. even, you know, we can cut back our immigration to zero and still expect the automation to compensate, uh, you know, the f- lack for la- lack of labor. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the one thing I should comment on that mm-hmm. your caller, uh, uh, the point that your caller made that the problem is overpopulation. I'm, that the I problem with climate change is says, overpopulation. Is over, yeah. I haven't read the IPCC report, but if you look at any other UN projection, they are all predicting that the you know that the whole problem you know the the hype about a population explosion and a population bomb has not panned out, and the future problem of the West and the globe is going to be underpopulation, not mm. overpopulation. I mean, and this stands to reason. I mean, look, China had a one-child policy. Its population is aging. They are set up for like a massive crash. India's uh, fertility rates are dropping, uh, although not to the extent of China. Uh, You know, uh, Mexico is now uh, reaching European levels of under-replacement. 
the only growth spot for a little while when it comes to population is sub-Saharan Africa. And mm-hmm. even that is expected to, you know, go away in about 20 years or mm-hmm. so. So the future, prob- uh, you know, so whatever the problem of climate change, overpopulation is not going to be causing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Underpopulation is going to be the the real issue going mm-hmm. forward. Right, Carl, again, thanks for the call, the comments, and the question. Mike on Twitter asks, will the Reason Foundation program be available online? Good question. Um, so actually, I don't think so. We are still trying to see if we can, <laughs> uh, do, uh, you know, at least uh, audio tape it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, so you guys will all just have to show up. You just got to go to East uh, Yeah, what will happen <laughs> is that the main, the main papers are going to be compiled in an anthology and then published by, you know, some university press in the mm-hmm. future. But that'll be a few years from now. Uh, so I'm sorry, you all just have to come for <laughs> the conference. just got to go to East Lansing. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to Nicole in Macomb. Nicole, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks, hey. for, thanks for talking. Sure. Um, I just called to say my husband recently became a naturalized citizen. Uh, He's originally from Belgium. Mm -hmm. And so I have a really firsthand view of the whole immigration process. Mm -hmm. And it is what I really want people to understand is that it's not something people can do on a whim because it's not (laughs) easy and it's not cheap. So between immigration attorneys, just, you know, paying more than $500 for the naturalization process. I mean, we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for my husband to, to move here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like people think, you know, you can just one day decide I'm going to move to the U.S., but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. really work that way. Yeah. Nicole, I, I really appreciate your calling and, and sharing that and, and issuing that reminder to people. It's one of the things that I think distorts some of the discussion about immigration is people have very... Uh, uh, False notions about uh, about how that all how that all works. It is not easy to become an, a citizen of this country if you were not born here. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, and you know, there is uh, I hear this a lot, and sometimes even from uh, you know legal Mexican citizens, Hispanic citizens, they say, you know, we did it legally. Why can't those who are here illegally do it? First of all. Uh, there are no options for low-skilled immigrants to actually legally live in this country Mm -hmm. on any long-term basis. They simply can't apply for a green card, let alone citizenship. And for uh, high-skilled immigrants, uh, the situation, there are legal options, but they take years and years. The current wait time for H-1B workers from India and China to get their green cards is approaching 70 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, these people will probably die before they get their green cards. Um, If you have a family member sponsoring you, the situation is a little bit better. But even there, as your caller said, it takes thousands of dollars in legal costs and visa fees and years to, you know, for that to come through Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is no easy way to become, to live legally in the United States on a permanent basis. And I should mention that one of the things that is not well known, but this administration has done, even as it talks a good talk on deregulating, you know, other parts of the economy, it has you know, infinitely increased the red tape for illegal immigration. H-1Bs are becoming scarcer and yeah. harder to get. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and this is not something that people understand completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, thanks for the call and the comments, Nicole. 
Let's go to John in Sterling Heights. John, I got about a minute left, but I wanted to get you in here. Go ahead. Yeah, Stephen, thank you very. Uh, thank you to your guests too. Great show again about local issues. Very appreciate it. Hey, Stephen, I'm just going to say I think the problem with immigration house for trade is has really your first caller said, and and how your guest is saying it. It's for economic reasons and for innovation, hmm. which to me it's like, like economic Hessians. People should come in this country because they want to be part of that, and hmm. I think that's what we're losing the message because. People like me are going to hear that and say, well, you know what it really comes down to? It's uh, Republicans and the Business Chamber of Commerce wants to suppress our wages. And yeah. it's all about cheap labor, no matter high skill, low skill. So really, to keep pushing it as an economic solution, I, it just does immigration a, bad. I think it's a good thing. That's a so, that's a really interesting point, John. I'm glad uh, you called to me that, Chica. I literally have like 30 seconds yeah. left. But uh, <laughs> So but, let but me just say that. there is actually a panel. The first panel tomorrow morning deals precisely with the economics of immigration and how they impact native wages and job prospects. Let me just give you a little teaser. There is absolutely no economic evidence that immigration affects lowers the wages. lowers wages. And the reason is that immigrants, they, as has typically understood in the academic literature, are taken hourglass shape, which is that they are concentrated at the at high the top, ends and yeah. the bottom, where Americans are either not available or unwilling to do the jobs. Yeah. And so they, you know, so they are complements of the current workforce, not substitutes. Yeah. Okay. Sheikha Dalmia, uh, the conference is called a 21st century immigration policy for the West tonight uh, through the weekend in East Lansing at the Kellogg Hotel and Conference Center. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.